0: This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnyTime.com. Alrighty, welcome everybody, welcome. Uh, Torah Anytime. Um, tonight's topic is pride, the relationship killer, or suicide, whatever, however we titled it. But uh, um, this is, according to the Torah, one of the worst character traits that you could have. Is pride. Not the, I'm saying one of the worst. Now, not only that, that if somebody has pride, and I think nowadays everybody has a little bit of pride, even if you have zero sense to your name, you are a, you know, depressed and you have absolutely nothing going for you. People nowadays still have uh, still have pride. So, and again, it's not across the board because if obviously depression and, and pride is usually the you know the opposite end of the spectrum, but not always. Now, if somebody has pride. And they don't control it, they don't work in it, they don't fix in it. That is, a, that's like suicide relationship. You know, you're just going to terminate your relationship because it's not going to be able to work out. And if it does work out, it's definitely not going to be a good one. Now, not only that, the Gemara says in Sota that says regarding a proud person, somebody who's arrogant, somebody who's haughty, that him and Hashem cannot live together in the same world. There's no room for them. Someone whose pride is very big. There's no room. He's not going to put Hashem in there, there's not going to be any room for Hashem over there. The Vilna Gohan on, go on says... You know what's your purpose of being here? What of your one of your main purposes of you being in this world, created where you are right now in this in this uh, century, in your family relationships, in your uh, you know social relationship, in your financial relationships? The main one of the main reasons is to fix your character traits. Is to fix if you have pride, you have to fix your pride. If you have uh, anger issues, you fix it, the anger issues. If you, every issue that you have in your character, that is one of your main purposes of being aware, because we, as we all know, we spoke already before in regarding the re- reincarnation people are born with certain character traits some people are born very angry people some people are born very happy people, some people are born very sad people, one of your focuses in your life should be to fix your character traits, now, the, um, now besides the fact of how detrimental pride is there is one thing that if you have pride, you will be very very unlikely to change It'll be very, very difficult for you to change. Now, this goes in both aspects. It goes in the, in the aspect of chuba. Somebody who is somebody who's very a proud person. When you're going to do chuba, you're, you, it's very difficult for somebody to go to chuvah if he thinks that he's so high up in his pedestal. You know, because that means that everything that he did previously was wrong, and he has to admit that that he lived a uh, you know deceitful life, a fake life, a, a life worth not living. And then they have to go and change it. And it's very hard for a proud person to do, to do that. So arrogance, in effect, is a blockade for chuba. And not only that, it's also a blockade in relationships. In relationships, it's a constantly thing that the both, both sides of the relationships have to be growing. And I'm not just saying it's only in husband and wife. It's any relationship. You have a partnership. You have a friendship. You have a father or a child. It's always a relationship that's constantly evolving and constantly growing. It, to grow with this, in order to be able to, you know, to, to expand and, and gain a closer relationship, you must be willing to change. And if you're not willing to change, you're just going to stay over here. And chances are, when you're staying over here, you're going to start falling down. And that's and that's just the way that it it will work. Now, how bad is, it people uh, people have gone to so such an extent because of their pride. I heard, um, I heard this story, I, I heard it a, a, a while ago. I don't know, and I really hope that it's not true, but, uh, listen to this crazy story. There was, uh, once two families that were, you know, well-to-do families, and they had an argument with each other. And one of the, you know, one of the families started having bad things happen to them. And one thing after another started bad, 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 bad happening to them. So the rabbi came over to them and says, listen, he says, you know, make peace. Make peace. There's no blessing when there's, when there's fighting, when there's, with a machloket. So the guy says, absolutely not. Let him make, let him go apologize to me. So I'm not making any peace. A few months go by, and his son dies. This person's son dies. And it was like, not like he was sick. It was like a crazy, horrific, like, like very, very unnatural uh, disaster death type of uh, situation. So he goes over to the rabbi again. He goes, plays a shivuqal, and says, listen, you know, things are not good happening. Wake up. Do chuvah." Nothing doing. Do chuvah. I mean, make peace. And then, a few months go by, and another child dies. Within a few months, another crazy, crazy scenario. Rabbi comes back and says, "You're crazy. Just, just make peace. What are you causing all these problems for yourself? Make peace. Even if he's right, even if you're right, doesn't matter. Just make peace. Have a happy life already. Just leave it behind you." And the guy, with this part, I can't, I cannot, and it's hard to believe. He says, he goes to the rabbi and he says, "I'll bury all my children before I, I apologize to that guy." This is how far pride will go for a person. He says, no, I'm not going to go down. I'm not going to step down. I'm not going to apologize to you. You know why? Because you have to apologize to me because I am who I am and you are who you are and I am better than you. right? And that's where it all boils down to that people with pride will not be willing to change, will not be willing to go down. Now, it is very important whenever you're he- hearing any shiul that's on Musa or character building, the first thing that usually people think about or if not the first thing, it's usually along the way. So, You know who really be able to listen to listen to this? My spouse. Oh, man they both, boy, do they have this issue. Or, oh, you know, I have a friend that he said People always think about, when you, we're going to speak about a lot of things today, the most important thing is internalize it yourself. Focus on yourself. Focus on what you could change out of this, uh, out of this scenario. Don't worry about the whole world right now. Focus on, on changing yourself. The whole world will worry about themselves. Let me explain to you a few things on how difficult it is to live with an arrogant person. If, you're, if your spouse is very pride, uh, has a lot of arrogance, it, this would make a lot of sense, uh, sense to you. Now, we're going to go coordinate like in a, in a very far right, you know, way, but just because you'll be like, okay, I don't have this, I don't have that, I don't have this, doesn't mean that you don't have pride or arrogance in you. This, I'm just going to the extreme. Number one, a proud person is never wrong. It's, they're, they're never wrong. And even if they are wrong, it's very hard for them to admit it. They're not going to admit it. Both, to people, it's going to be an interpersonal relationship. They'll never be wrong, and to God, they'll never be wrong. Even if they do a sin, they'll convince themselves somehow that they're right because it can't be. Someone like me will do such a sin because I'm not. I'm not a. You know, I'm. You know, I am who I am. I'm an amazing person. Yada yada yada. So, so a pride person, an arrogant person, would you know, doesn't believe that they're doing anything wrong. Now. If they don't think that they're doing anything wrong, not only that. Let's say, let's say they finally, okay, fine, I did something wrong. Let's say they go, they, they stepped out of their box and it says, you know what, I did something wrong. The next barrier that's going to be is going to be very difficult for them to apologize. A proud person has a very, very hard time going to somebody else and saying those three words, "I am sorry." I am sorry. Yeah, three words. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it's going to be very hard, very, very, very hard, right? Those, those, uh, th- that for a man when you go get him married, you have to say two sets of three words: "I am sorry," and "I love you." What did I do? And the next one, (laughs) no, I'm just kidding, not that one. So, that's a bad one. Never say that, right? Because what what happens? You walk home, your wife's upset, or your husband, you know, and you're going over there, and you're going to say, well, what did I do now, right? What are they going to say? You don't even know what you did? Forget about it. I'm not even going to tell you, right? So never say those words. I take that back. It should be, I love you, and I'm sorry for whatever it is that I did. Next is, for a proud person, every single thing has to go their way. They are very. everything is my way or the highway and they won't even be able to consider another possibility this could be anything from redesigning the home to where to move, to where to send the kids school, to school there are certain things that people, it's only my way everything has to go my way or, or the highway and that is, that is a big problem with someone who is very proud very arrogant the next thing is that they get angry very very easily why do they get angry very very easily and they can get angry on the smallest things because they feel, even if it's a small thing how, how can you do that to me, do you know who I am so you, uh, you know, it doesn't matter how ins- insignificant, how small, how minuscule the, the issue is. They get upset. Why do they get upset? Because you insulted. You hurt me, and I am an amazing person in their eyes. Now, in I, I keep on saying I'm an amazing person. The, I, do you know who I am? Some people don't even don't even associate it with that. But yet they still get all these issues, with, uh, you know, with them because they don't even put the two and two together. For somebody to say, "Do you know who I am?" means he has to admit that he's arrogant. Most people don't admit that they have pride. Most people are just like, you know, these scenarios will go, but they'll never say, it's because, oh, you know who I am. They'll just take that part and they'll internalize it. So, it's very important, even if you don't feel, oh, you know who I am, and you still might have these issues, it's still something that you need to work on. The next thing is, is that they are very hard to appease. So, let's say you get somebody who's very proud, very arrogant, upset. It's gonna be very, very difficult for you to go and apologize. Because even if you go on and apologize, which it might be easy, you know, you don't have pride, so you'll go, okay, I'm sorry for what I did, they won't accept it. They'll be like, no, no, no. You have to apologize to me 10,000 times, and you know, and you have to do this, and you have to do that, and why should I forgive you? You know what you did to me? You know what you did to me? You know, you cut me off three times, and one, you know, what did you do? You know, what did he did already? Anybody, it would be very difficult to, 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 uh, to accept the apology because it hurts him so much, because he is so, he has so much arrogance. The next thing, is, is that um, is, is that they need to constantly be praised. Always have to give them compliments. Always, always have to give compliments. Now, a very, very, there, there's a disclaimer that has to be played on, on this particular one. If it's your wife, she is required and needed a constant compliments and it's not considered that is if she is proud and arrogant. Why? Why is it not considered if you're a pride or arrogant? Because a woman constantly needs her praises and, and uh, her husband. The reason is is that the, the, the wife always looks up to her husband. At least that's the way it should be. And the, one of the punishments in Adam Marishon, when he did the sin from the Etzadas, the Chava, the woman, what she got is He will rule over you. Which means is is that even if a woman is making more money than the man, and even if the woman is more successful in all areas than 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 her husband, a good relationship, a woman comes home and she's going to look up to her husband. And even the guy could be doing nothing of nothing; he's sitting at home unemployment for like sixteen years, you know. And she's like making millions of dollars, and he's just living off. He's the you know and not even being the, the what is it called that man housewife, whatever that's called. The so he, and it doesn't matter; she will look up to him. That's the way it's supposed to, that's the way that it should be. Now. When, when, you know, she looks up to him, she requires some constant, you know, uh, you know, praises. You're, you're amazing. You look beautiful. You're cooking amazing. Even if it tastes like charcoal. And even if she looks like a goat, it doesn't matter, right? With the goatee and everything. It doesn't matter. You have to constantly praise her. One thing that you're allowed to lie for. Shalom bite, right? The problem is, is that people use the shalom bite and they lie and everything. Oh, you know, whatever. I can't go learn Torah. Shalom bite. Time to go to, uh, you know, to the movies. You know, and they, and, oh, we gotta go to the club. Shalom bite. You know, there's certain shalom things. Bait. A piece of the home. There's certain things that, yeah. So peace in the home, you can tell your wife. She says, oh, do I look pretty? Yep, 100%. Make sure to look at her first, because then she'll get it. She's not stupid. Be like, you know, from up the stairs, you're on the computer. Be like, hey, honey, do I look good? Uh-huh, huh? you look amazing. You know? <laughs> and be like, no, make a look at her. Even if you're looking past her, it doesn't matter. But the idea is, um, you know, the, the idea is, is that they need constant, constant praise. And it's not considered as if they are a, uh, they have arrogance and pride. They need it. This is what they need. A woman needs it. Now a man on the other hand should also get praises. It's always always good for the spouse to praise the husband. But when it's, if it's something that's constant and they need it all the time, or if they need it from their coworkers, they need it from their friends, they need it always, 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 then there's something underlining there, and then it might be an it might be an issue over there of arrogance or pride. Now Many people, you know, in the, let's say in a, in a special, you know, let's say there's an argument at home, A husband and wife, and you know they decide to go to therapy or they go to a rabbi, and they sit in front of the rabbi and sit in front of the therapist, and they and they say, you know what my issue is, and this, and they say this is the issue, and the therapist, uh, you know, is like waiting, be like, okay, wh- what else? I'm like, no, 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 this, this, this thing, and the therapist means you mean like this tiny little thing is what you are blowing up about, and when they could be when the when the couple is confronted with that, they're like. It's not that it's the principle, you know. It's you know, you'll be like, "Oh, so he, so because, you know, she didn't put a warm dinner for you when you came home and she was sitting home all day, and you know, and she did absolutely nothing. That's why you got that's why you guys are in therapy right now." And then what they start saying, and, you know, they go to the you go to the wife. So because he didn't take out the garbage, that's why you're used to getting so upset about him. And what do they always say? It's the principle of the matter. Now, granted, it could be a principle, and sometimes a principle is a big issue. And even if it's a little thing, it's a big issue. But many times, it's arrogance. I asked you six times to take out the garbage. Why aren't you taking out the garbage? I you know, I was like, if you're sitting at home all day, why can't you make why can't you make supper? You know, whatever it is, it's sometimes it's it's the pride of like I'm sitting and, sw- and sweating and working. and You're sitting at home and relaxing. Like, you know, you know what what's going on over here. You, we should be an equal team. So sometimes it's the pride that hap- that that overcomes it, and sometimes it's actual the, it's actual principle on the right. The principle does make a big difference. Now, the Gala says the I, and, and by the way. In, in uh, one of the the most important things on on marriage, uh, that in order that somebody needs to be able to say I'm wrong, because if a person cannot say I'm wrong, then it, it's it's such a difficult marriage. It's so difficult. They're not. It, you're 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 basically fighting against someone who's a brick wall. Many times it's the husband who you know it's very hard time saying uh, you know you know I'm I'm sorry I'm wrong. Many times sometimes it's the wife also. It doesn't matter what it is. But if you're the person that it's very hard for you to apologize for your own sake. whoever's watching, whoever's is listening, please. Work on it, work on it because you need to be able to say, I am wrong, I am sorry, because if you don't, you're not going to change, and if you're not going to change, you're not going to grow, you're not going to gain a closer relationship, you're not going to be able to be, you know, happier, unless you put this blockade and be able to acknowledge when you're wrong, that you're wrong, and and when you need to apologize, you need to be able to apologize, it is a big, big blockade in marriage, it's a big problem that when people refuse to say it, you know, if a man's driving, and you don't know where you're going, and the GPS is not working, whatever it is, roll down your window and ask for directions. You know, it, it, people are like, no, I, I'll, I'll figure it out. you know, circling for a half hour, just take the ego, put it in the back seat, and start asking for directions, and get to a place where you need to get this. If somebody takes away pride, life will automatically get so much better, and we'll soon see you're gonna be a happier person as well. Now the Gemara says as follows, the Gemara says in the Gemara that if somebody has pride, has arrogance, has haughtiness, it's as if he served idols. Which, that's a, that is a serious, you know, if I were to say, you know, it's as if he ate without a bracha. that would be like, okay, but served the idols is one of the worst pun, one of the worst things that you could do. So he's saying arrogance, pride is equal or, to a certain extent as if someone served idols. And first of all, how does that make any sense? What does me being arrogant have to do with, you know, bowing out to Buddha or you're serving a cow or whatever it is? How is that, how is that idol worship? And the answer is, is that when you have pride, anger is right around the corner. Right around the corner. And what happens when someone gets angry? Someone gets angry. Someone, You know why you're getting angry? you be like, how could you do this to me? Which means is you're blaming the other person that the other person did something consciously to you and it really bothers you that he did it or she did it. However, if you would realize that everything is from God and no matter what happens in your day, interpersonal relationship, everything is from God. Even if your wife is being such a pain it doesn't matter, it's from God. You have to realize that it's from God, and, and she's just a messenger that's sending you that, that sort of thing. Now, if you realize that, then you, first of all, you won't be so upset. You'll be like, okay, you know, whatever, God's sending me a message, I'll take care of it. So she's upset for absolutely no reason, he's upset, he's driving me crazy. It's a reason, it's, it's something that has to do with from God. So you'll be able to take it and be able to deal with it much easier. But what happens is, is that when you get angry at the other person, then in essence what you're saying is that God is not in this picture. God is not in this picture, it has nothing to do with God, it has to do with that person. And that's why what happens when you serve idols? When you serve idols, it's as if you don't believe in God. You're putting taking God out of the picture. When you're getting angry, the same idea. You're taking God and you're putting him out of the picture because you're getting upset at that person and that person only, and God has nothing to do with him. So this is why you, we consider the Gemara considers it that arrogance, pride, anger, all these things how consider are like uh, as if someone served serves idols. And the Gemara also says that anybody with haughtiness, with arrogance... Will will eventually be diminished. God will lower that person. So you put yourself up, you will get pushed back down and back down hard. I heard this story once uh, years ago. I don't remember from who. Some rabbi in a certain shoe, a shoe, that he said like they said one time there was an arrogant person that went to business and he went with a partnership and this guy you know. He was arrogant, pride. He had a lot of other issues, and he didn't do business honestly. Uh, push comes to shove, you know. The, the, as the partnership was growing, he would manage to screw the other guy out of the out of the partnership. He basically for you know forged whatever it was. He 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 basically kicked the guy out of the business, and he started to building the business himself. Once the business got you know once he finished all the hard work, and now the business is beginning to flourish, they kicked the other guy out. So um, and he started doing business, and he started he started becoming very successful. He started becoming so successful that he ended up selling his house, moving into a very fancy neighborhood, buying a mansion, buying a bunch of fancy cars, both, you know, the whole works. And for years, years, he was very, very successful. And, uh, you know, after some years go by, he, uh, you know, he went, he started investing in a certain money. And one thing after another, you know, money just started bleeding out of the business, bleeding out of all of his investments. And within a short while, he lost everything. Right? It's, unfortunately, it's, it's, it's uh, not an uncommon uh, scenario these days. And he lost absolutely everything. And he went from top, and then he had to go and he had to sell his house, because he couldn't live in the house. He couldn't even pay the taxes on his house. He sold his house, and shortly after that, his wife left him. And after his wife left him, he, um, his, uh, his son passed away from AIDS. His son passed away from AIDS. I believe the story was in Israel also. His son passed away from AIDS, and uh, one other one got locked up, and another child um, was in, like, severe financial issues with, like, the mob and the, the underworld. So, they were in, you know, in severe, and after he suffered so much of this, of, you know, of this fall, he went, he, he had a stroke and we had a stroke left one one side of his body paralyzed and he had no money to pay for anything he was barely covering rent in a one bedroom in a dingy dingy neighborhood and then he didn't have any money that the government had to come and help him and you know provide him with it, a home attendant and to provide him with some some benefits that he would be able to just stay alive in his in his own apartment so this guy is getting pushed around by a home attendant in his in his in, in his home and he goes to the bathroom and diaper. He's lost all his family, lost all his money, lost all his everything. This is the end of a proud person. This is the end of what happened. You put yourself up there, God's going to show you. God's going to put you all the way back down. The Gemara says, it's not worth it. Don't try to push yourself up because God will put you right back down. The Gemara says, anybody with haughtiness will eventually be diminished. They'll eventually be brought down. But some people get the punishment not here. But in the- yes. And it could even be in the next lifetime. That's why you see sometimes people that they're born and, and the life is, is a miserable life. It's a terrible life. Everything they do is unsuccessful and they they fail in all aspects of it. Many times, I'm not saying it's all times, because we don't know, only God knows, but it's very possible that it was a previous life. That's how this person lived. And this is one of the punishments that they have to go and, and uh, go through. So, the Rambam, Maimonides says, Maimonides says, he says, you know, in general, when you're, when you're doing your, when you're building on yourself, building character traits, always safe, go in the middle. Don't be too extreme. Don't be too fanatic on each side, except for one thing, except for arrogance, pride, Go far the opposite. Do humility as much, as much as you can. Because pride is so dangerous, you want to stay as far away as you, as you can from it. The Gemara says, and I found it in three places, there might be more. In Baba Batra, page 10b, and Baba Batra, page 78b, and Ovedah page 18b, that every haughty person is going falls into Gehenom. Which means that even if he's a righteous person, even if he did in Torah, Milut Chasadim, he did a lot of things, but he has a lot of pride or arrogance, he can't escape Gehenom. He can't escape hell. Yeah, a person, and and it's very unfortunate because there are certain people that you know they're very big in the community. They do big chesed, and they do, but they have so much arrogance, so much pride, and it's a shame because it's like all that reward that they're gaining, they lose so much of it because of the pride. You know, they force it. They know, put your name on the building, or or you know, and if and and I don't want to even give more examples because uh, you know. It might, it get, it will get too sensitive. But the idea is is that people that, that have... All, they do so much good, l- let go of the arrogance. You don't know how much you're losing by, by doing all this good. And then you're going and you're having arrogance. You're sort of like erasing all the reward that you're about to get. The Gemara in Baba Batra says 98a, and this is so true. I mean, everything the Gemara says is true, but sometimes you can really feel it at home. It says a haughty person, an uh, arrogant person, is disgraceful even in the eyes of his household. Even people in his house can't stand him. And if you ever realize that, if you ever did business, or done business with anybody or you know, who's arrogant has pride, nobody likes those type of people. Some people that are arrogant towards certain, circumstances. That that's still arrogance, <laughs> that's still arrogance, and who, and nobody likes those people. Even you know people who do people like people that are always friendly and happy, and like, people that are arrogant always push themselves up by pushing other people. No one, no one likes those types of people. And we'll, we'll soon speak about it, uh, you know, in, in, in more uh, depth. But uh, you know, in general, it's not it's not somebody that that people like now. Not only that, pride also brings desires. It also brings the Yetzirah to go and fight you and to do more sins. Why? Because not only do you feel that you can do it, you feel you deserve it, you earn it. You, whatever it is that this. is, I'll give you an example. Many people, let's say they're, they're successful businessmen, right? What happens after you close a deal? Some people, other, other people, and like, unfortunately many people, take out the Cuban cigars, get out the 30-year whiskey, you know, the whole, the whole, uh, you know, the whole room becomes a hot box, or whatever they call that, where the whole place is just full of smoke. And they're smoking and they're celebrating. You saw how good I got the deal. You saw how I, you know, I saw how I did this, how I did this. They start celebrating for everything good that they did. And what That's happens? Right. well? That's right. That's right. That's pride. That's pride. A lot of it is pride. I, look what I did. You saw how you saw how I closed this deal? You saw how I got it, you know, and I got it five percent more and I was able to get this and I was able to go me, me, me. me. I did this. I all did this. Of course it's pride. Really, if you're successful at business, it's all from God. If you fail at business, it's also all from God. What do you think? That you that you could do it without God? That God Sorry, but if you do it as a team and you still like uh, pulled up the table, smoke your team smoking the cigars and everything, right? Yeah, I'm not saying it's a bad thing if you wanna, you know, celebrate. Right. But the idea is 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 make sure that you think who really is supposed to. What happens when you celebrate? They're like oh, awesome. But it's a good. Let's say you want to make a kiddush on Shabbat. You may you know you, you close a five million dollar deal, right? So of course the make a make a kiddush. That's amazing. You help you know you're saying you you're, you're say doing a sodato daya, whatever it is that you're that you're doing. But don't forget to think who the person that the, the entity that actually gave that to, you. and that is God. People forget, and they they they, they you know they do it. I'll tell you the story like this. It, it, first of all, what happens when somebody is successful? They they want to party. Party never leads to good things, usually. Usually. It depends on the parties that I've heard of and the the parties in the days that the people, the way people celebrate. There are people that they'll close a good deal, they'll be, you know, they had a good year of business, they'll take everybody in the club, tables, drinks on me, everything on me, you know. They feel like they want to celebrate. And they think that they're doing a great thing, but meanwhile, you're causing people to sin. So God gave you a money. It's like imagine, you know, a father goes and says, here, here's, here's 150 grand, why don't you buy yourself something nice? And you take that money, and you buy crack cocaine, and you go give it to his you know, teenage son, and be like, here, why don't you smoke some of this? And the father says, the, with the money that I gave you, you went, and you, this is what you cost for my child, that's what you're basically doing, somebody's successful, God is giving you money, he takes the money, he goes to other people, and be like, hey guys, hey guys, come, 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 let's do a lot of sins, on me, on the house, you know, so how, how are you actually thanking God? I'll tell you like this. This is a, this. You, we should have more more people like this in, in Israel. This is an unbelievable story I heard from Pesach Cohen. I don't remember the people involved in the story, um, but there was one somebody in Israel um, that uh, he went he would visit Israel. Extremely extremely wealthy businessmen, and he met uh, with one of the most. There's a certain organization in Israel. I don't recall its name. What it does uh, is it's a medical organization. So what it if let's say there's a child that needs to go for whatever reason to America for for some sort of medical equi- medical uh, you know uh, treatment. treatment, yeah, thank you. So what they'll do is if they need, let's say, sometimes in order for this for someone who's really sick to fly, they need a lot of equipment and this insurance is not going to cover it. This organization covers it. It has all these crazy equipment equipment that costs hundreds of thousands of dollars. They have and they'll like provide it on the plane. If not, they'll charter a private jet. They'll do like everything for these type for these type That's of situations. What? No, maybe they do that also, but it's not called that. It's an it's an, it's, an, it's a Israeli because Doctors Without Borders is all over the world, I think, right? This is a specific or, uh, organization in Israel, and this is what they focus on. It's unbelievable what they do. They'll they'll hire a private jet and they'll fly somebody with all this machinery, and they'll, they'll pay hundreds of thousands of dollars just to get this kid to, for for. And this is the insurance it doesn't cover, so this is what they'll they'll go and they'll cover it. So it's unbelievable. So they met, they were they, they did some sort of meeting afterwards, and it was when they finished the meeting. It was really late at night. It was 3 a.m. They said to each other, you know, the, the guy from the medical said, listen, to the businessman, said, listen, you know, you're not here that often. Want, want, want to go to the Kotel? Let's go to the Kotel. You're here. You know, you're flying tomorrow morning. So the guy says, yeah, of course, you know, I haven't been to the hotel. Hey, let's go to the Kotel.' So they go, they get to the hotel about 3.30, whatever, in the morning. And they're sitting in the in the hotel as they're walking down to, into the, you know, to, to the wall they see in the distance this guy standing by the wall, and he's bawling, crying, like crying, 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 at a grown, adult, older man. So, you know, they see, what he happens to see, is like, obviously he has some issues, and he needs something going on. So they're, they're, they're watching this, and as they get closer, it gets louder and louder. So, you know, one says next to the other, he says, listen, he says, look at this guy. He says, we just, you know, we, we came here to do a lot of chesed. He says, here we have an opportunity. Look at this guy. He says, let's, let's make a deal right now. If there is anything monetary that this guy needs, I'll cover it. If there's anything medically that this guy needs, you'll cover it. The guy says, absolutely, you got got yourself a deal. So, they walk up to this guy, this guy's bawling crying, and, you know, it's very hard. How do you, you know, like, when well, you tap a guy who's like, a, a, excuse me, sir, for a minute. You know, it's like, you know, it's obviously in a, in a, in a sort of a moment over there. So they go and they, they tap this guy gently, and the guy's, you know, too much in his thing, and they didn't hear it, taps a little harder. The, the guy turns around, and they introduce themselves, say, hi, hey, listen, you know, I, you know, I'm a businessman from this, from New from America, and I'm, a, you know, and I'm, I'm one of the runs who runs all the organization, the medical thing. He says, you know, you obviously, you know, something is going on, we just want to let you know, Anything that you need, don't worry about it. Monetary wise, financial, this is my buddy right here. Medical wise, you got me. Whatever we can do, we will help you. And the guy says, uh, no, thank you very much, guys, but, but I'm okay. And he turns around and he starts crying again. And he continues, and you know, you think, what, if somebody's crying, right? What are the two main things that they need? Money or health, usually, right? Something is going on. So, like, there's like, what else can there be? Maybe, you know, children, I don't know what, you know, that's medical, you know, like, Shalom Bayit, you know, so the money usually helps out, you know, so, so, you're like, what what can they possibly, what possibly can they need, so, the, tap again, and the guy's gonna turn around and be like, you know, maybe you don't understand, so it's says, anything medically, right over here, anything financially, right over here. And the guy says, no, no, really, I'm good. You know, thank you very much. I really appreciate the offer, but, but I, I don't need anything. And he turns around and he starts crying again. And these guy's looking shocked. When do you ever go to somebody that says you need anything, medically or financially? And they say, no, thank you. So they, they say, no, something's going on over here. Again, they tap the guy a third time and say, listen, buddy. It says, uh, maybe you don't understand. Like, you know, a lot, a lot of money. Baruch Hashem, a lot, a lot of help with the medical world. Anything, like money, is it financial? And the guy says, you know, this time he's already confused already. He says, no, guys, I'm serious, I don't need anything. So before he turns around, one of them taps him and says, before you go around, he says, tell us, what's going on? Why are you crying so much to God if everything is okay? So the guy smiles at them and he says, tonight I just married off my tenth child. My last child, I just brought them down to the Kupat tonight. because I came here to the Kotel to say thank you to God. How many of us will actually go and cry like we need something when we just are just coming to say thank you? How many of us when we close a deal, when we make a lot of money, and when we do things we say, God, to Rabbah, thank you very much. You're awesome. Thank you for everything that you true that you there. Or? Yeah, yeah, true story. True story. Rappay Sakharon only says true story, as far as I know. <laughs> unbelievable, unbelievable speaker. If you didn't if you never heard of him, go look it up at Torah any time, Rappaysaqhron. Right? He did the bleak me laugh and my son also, he's also a moan. So he's um unbelievable guy. Um tzaddik. So the now, where was it? Oh, okay. So now, besides the fact that, uh, and by the way, you know, if only we have more people like that, you know what it means to actually, and, and that's what it says, you know, you want to, you want God to give you more and say thank you for what you have. You where know, when you're, when you're graceful, when you're grateful, God will want to give you more. You know, this guy married off 10 children, and it's an amazing thing. And he went to the quota after, he didn't wait till the next day. 3.30 in the morning, he went after the Qatar, before he went to sleep, I'm going to tell God thank you. And he went and he was crying like a baby, telling God thank you for everything that you've done. Now, the next thing is is that uh, um, pride brings jealousy. Now, what what does that mean by jealousy? So you could have somebody who closed a one point five million dollar deal, and he feels great. He's whatever, celebrating, whatever he's doing, and then he hears that his uh, you know his, his uh, competition or his neighbor, or whatever it is, close a uh, you know two hundred thousand dollar deal. Hurts them a little bit. Like, nah, you know, maybe I should have. Yeah, you know, okay. And, and but why, why is it hurting you? You got your 1.5. So they, they didn't even get a, a fraction of what you made. But no, it still bothers them. Why? Because I need to get everything. Everything should be me. And it's all, you know, it's a win 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 And if he gets it, it just bothers them. So it breeds jealousy. Pride breeds jealousy. Now, this is also, you know, one of the reasons, and it's unfortunate, why people, you know, they, um, they feel a little bit, some people feel a little bit happy when other people fail. They feel a little bit happy. Oh, you know, the marriage didn't go well. You know, you know, and they, they, they you know, I, I've, I've heard this and I've seen this in person, and it's so hard to understand. It's like you know, they're like sitting over there, they're talking to somebody, and he says, "Oh, you heard what happened?" You know, you, whenever you say you heard what happened, you know, it's lashon coming right out. And it says, "Oh, you know, this couple? Yeah, they're they're going through a divorce." Be like, what? What? I can't believe it. That's so terrible. And this guy, they're glowing. They're so happy. Why are you so happy? This guy's going through such so a hard time. You know why? Because their life is not so great. Their marriage might not be so great. And when they hear that somebody else is doing worse than them, it's a little bit, okay, you know. That means they doing something yeah, okay. Yeah, they're, they're not so bad. They're not so bad. But why is that? And I'm not saying it's all pride. There's a lot of other factors that go into this specific scenario. But a lot of it is pride. Okay, so I'm better than that person. There are certain magazines. I, I, I don't know their names. And to be honest, I don't really care. U.S. Star. Or I don't know. What are these? Esquire. I, I, I may be saying names that don't make any sense. But there are certain magazines. And what their focus is. Is they take celebrity gossip and they just make up lies about celebrities? Be like, oh, they're going through a four hundred million dollar divorce. Meanwhile, they're worth two hundred million dollars tops, both of them. At all, this guy just gained four hundred fifty pounds, and you see a big picture. You see like a Brad Pitt wobbling with six hundred pounds, you know, and you know you you just you see him in the next magazine, right next door, where it's where it's a real magazine, and he's completely fine. Uh, and people go and they'll buy this magazine's in business and they know that it's a lie. They know that these magazines are 100% not true. Yet yeah, why do they buy them? One of the reasons that they buy them, I it buy feels them. better about them. Yeah, it feels better about themselves. Alright, look at these people that, you know, they're in Hollywood. You know, they're all on drugs. They're all unhappy. They're all on this. They're all on that. Why was when you push them down, you feel a little better about yourself? And what, is it, what does that have to do with you? What does their unhappiness have to do with your happiness? Your happiness should not be, uh, you know, it should not be relevant. It should not be based off other people's, you know, uh, criteria. It should be based on eternal, whatever is going on with you. Now, there's a there's another very very big issue um, I spoke to this uh, in the women 's class, but I think it's more uh, more apropos for in the men 's class uh road rage road rage is you know, I, i've spoke about this before and I hold it so true and it's so unfortunate what happens f- Why is it that if someone cuts you off, there are many people that they want nothing in their life other than that person should get into a terrible accident right in front of them something flip over the so there's something going on it's like it's like you know you know like you could be like, you know, like Hitler is a terrible person, but then that person cuts you off. You'd be like, I wish death upon him. They're like, what? He just cut you off. What's the big deal? And people get so upset when, by, and I'll tell you like this. Crazy, crazy, there's a, a AAA foundation of traffic safety that said that every single year, there's more than 1,500 serious de- injuries or deaths that happen because of road rage. Because of, and I want to use the, because of senseless traffic disputes. And you've seen, you've seen people with, uh, they have a dash can. And you see them, what people fight over of the stupidest things, and they get so upset, so angry, because how can you do this to me? And what, uh, people are driving in the road, they think that this lane is my lane. You you stay where you are. This I own this lane while I'm on it. How much do I own it? I own it until the next car. Anything between this is my lane. So, but if you want to cut off, cut off the guy in front of you. I don't get upset. But if you cut off me between this car and the next car, I get very very upset. And not only that, even more, they they're driving regular. They're cruising. They're putting on cruise control. At you know they're driving 65, and they see somebody you know. They could see he's thinking about, you know, he's like, he's like, he's like levering. He's like, he and sees he that. <laughs> forget about cruise control. This guy, yeah. And they go straight ahead. Why? Because this guy is not going to come. But it would have made any difference. It would not have made any difference. It would have slowed him down. The guy would have cut him off and gone faster. But no, it bothers people. It bothers people. blinkers Whatever the reason is, it doesn't matter. The bo- bottom line is it's pride. It's, pr- it's my lane. Pride Don't is get in pride. my lane. It's pride. my lane. My- let me tell you like this. I'll give you a proof. You're sitting on, you're sitting at a red light, right? There's you and there's another car right next to you and you see that this car wants to either make a left or whatever I mean, It's trying to go in front of you whatever it is if they want to make a turn they go in front of you so they start inching up so what do you do? you inch up oh no eye contact no no eye contact right? it's like this you're out of the corner you see his car move up a little bit you move up a little bit and you're waiting you're, it could be I've seen cars in the middle of the street it was red, I mean they could have just drove already because they were in the middle of the street they were like blocking their crosswalk. that's how much they're inching up and they're going and the second that the green light goes it's a drag race you know the flies go down and they both go and they try to see what the you know who's able to get anybody else now what happens same scenario you gain eye contact same scenario You're inching, inching 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 and then by mistake you know you made a mistake and you caught eye contact with the guy and the guy goes to you and be like, "Oh you know he signals you you mind if I please you know cut you off." But come on, please, of course, you'll start directing care traffic, like, oh, no, wait. let this guy go. Come on, you know you all of a sudden you're you're the most nice guy. What happened? What happened? The answer is is he gave in to you. He said, "Listen, I can't do it. I'm asking you for help. Oh, you are asking me for help? You need my help, Yeah, of course, of course you go, I don't mind Yeah, go ahead, you know it's all pride. It's all pride at the end of the day it, the The difference, the two seconds if they cut you off, usually doesn't make a difference, and let's say they cut you off and then you got a red light. oh, you know thirty five seconds right what is a what is a you know it's a long light? 65 seconds. I have a yeah. the <laughs> I, that's what I say. I say for the men, it's a very big issue. For the woman, you know, the, you know, whatever they, you know, as they drive, they're doing their makeup. They you know they're doing all the whatever the things that they're doing. You know, so someone cuts them off, they don't get as upset. You know, there's also another thing that's very interesting is that people talk to themselves in the car. Can you believe this guy? No one in the car. But you know, it's funny because like I'm driving, and you know, I look at the weirdest. I I don't look at the uh, you know at what everybody else looks at. I'll, I'll give you an example. I was by a wedding. Um, recently, and you know, when the Kalah walks in, what does everyone do? Everyone stands up and looks at the Kalah, you know, and everyone's like, uh, and they're, they're smiling, and they're taking pictures. What I did is, I happen to know this guy very well, I stood up and I looked directly at the Khatan. I took out my camera, and the second the Kalah walks in, I didn't even see it, but I saw his facial expression I started snapping pictures. On him, just on him. Why? Because if he ever comes to me in the future, I'd be like, listen, I need, you know, never. I don't know what I did to get married to this girl. I'd be like, no, no, no. You want to see the face that you, so that you, the facial expression that you had, that a Khatan had when he sees his Kala walk down the chupa, you know, it's, it's, it's a, uh, really what the, what the pictures should do, forget about the Kala in this moment, right? Get a picture of what the, how the Khatan looks when he sees his kalah. That look, when she's walking down the aisle to him, is, is priceless. And I took a picture of that. That's why I took a picture. You see the smile and the glow on his face. That he will ever, you know, should ever, uh, you know, I'm putting this picture on the side, saving it. I should never need it, but it's good to have. And um, because, you know, the, the, the amount of, of, you know, the happiness that you see off this person is unbelievable. So I look at weird things. I don't know, whatever. So when somebody's driving and they're, and they're, you know, obviously there's some sort of feud, I sometimes look at the car and you see the people are having conversations with the other car. The windows are up. They can't hear them. But you just hear them like they're mumbling something and they're pointing and they're, they're getting really upset and they're like screaming as if the other person can hear you. Well, the other person can't hear you. And you're just releasing some energy. I guess you're screaming and talking in the car. But at the, at the end of the day, the bottom line is All this anger, all this thing, all this road rage—it's all pride. I mean, granted, I'm not saying it's 100% pride. It might be other issues in stock and other issues that fine. but, But at the end of the day, most of it has to do with pride. Most of it has to do with arrogance. Now, another proof is is that let's say you know an ambulance is driving. Ambulance is driving. A cop is driving. A fire. Everyone stops. No problem. You know, and you'll go because you feel like they you know they they're more important at this point than you. The other person not more important. You. Right now are the most important on the road. The other person, the ambulance, the the fire engine or the cop, that's more important. However, let's say in an aspect of, uh, uh, let's say somebody pulls you you know, cuts you off. And, you know, you get really angry. But then you find out as you try to cut him off again, you see that there's a pregnant woman standing in the back, like screaming and yiming. And you're like, oh, my God, this guy's going to!" So what do you do? You're like police escort. You're like honking ahead. You're flashing the lights. You're calling police escort. You're like helping this guy cut off everybody else. What happened when you realized that this person needed it more than you, and you put, were able to put your pride down for a minute? So a lot of it has to do with pride. Now, what is a, what is a, a pride of of a woman? What, what does a woman get her pride from? Well, woman. woman got it the first time. I asked this in the woman class. I was like, "Wow, oh, okay, you guys are realistic." All right, woman's pride is her beauty. Pride is her beauty. She goes and she will show off her, her beauty. Why? Because she gets, she gets pride from it. She gets, you know, she gets a, you know, okay, you know, the Mexicans are looking at me. Oh, You know, and she's, she's very happy about it. And she gets dressed in a provocative way and a tight clothing. Even if they're not good looking, why would they do that? Because it gains them attention and it helps to boost their ego, boost their pride. Now, the, it, it's, it's, it's very, you know, it's a stupid because imagine like this. Somebody goes and walks around immodestly. What happens? Other people are looking at her. Granted, they're gonna look at her. You know how they have these clothing, the clothing with the woman, right? They have bright colors where, everywhere where it's, you know, in the forming, whenever it forms, bright colors, names, the words, words on the shirt, you know, words on the back, words on the back of the pants. Why do they put words over there? Because that's where your eyes attract, you know? And they, and they always will say, well like, Look over. You know, like men, have you ever realized you're driving in the street at night and there's an ambulance in the distance? You're like a fly sometimes. Your eye just can't stop looking at the lights. Like, what's going on? Why? Because you're attracted. Your eyes subconsciously get attracted to certain things. You get attracted to shiny colors. That's why women, they wear bright, shiny pink. Why? Because it attracts the eye. It's a very, you know, you look at it. It attracts you. Even if you're not consciously looking at it, it, it attracts you. This is one of the reasons why they wear the in Ayin They wear the red bl- bracelet. Not that it's not that it's a halakha reasons, but one of the reasons is it attracts the eye. So you get you you know you lose your concentration of what's going on there. But at the end of the day, you're you're um you know they're wearing provocative clothing. They're getting upset that women men are looking at them, but they're really happy that men are looking at them. But they get upset because they want to show people that they don't want it. And at the end of the day, they're, all they're gaining is a bunch of sins. One sin after another sin after another sin, because every time somebody looks at them, they get a sin. Only. If they're dressing immodest. If they're dressing modestly and they're doing everything that they're supposed to be doing according to Allah, people could look at them from today till tomorrow, think of the most dirtiest thoughts, they're fine. They did what they're supposed to do. You know, so imagine they have one inch short skirt. For one inch, ten billion averot. If you would have done and the biggest the biggest thing I don't understand is most of the skirts that they wear is is long enough, they just pick it up. They they pick it up. It's like I can't even give you an example if that's how idiotic it is. I mean, granted, I'm, not, I'm a man, so it's very hard for me to, you know, it, it's, we're talking about different species that we're, the, you know, women think differently and men think differently. But at the end of the day, if you think about what you're, you're gaining, no- okay, so you're gaining a little pride. People are going to go and say, wow, nice knees. Uh, as opposed to like, what, what are you going to have over there? 10,000 Averot, uh, you're walking down Broadway, you're walking down Times Square in this, in this type of, uh, you know, dress garb. For what? For, for a little extra thing? Meanwhile, you could just pull it down and make everything, you know, 100% kosher. What can we do? We can only, we can only speak about it. Hopefully they'll have to change on themselves. But the, the idea is it's, 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 it's not worth it. It's not worth it. And a woman, that's her, her, her issue is a pride. I want to share with you a story that, uh, there was, uh, once a, um, there was a monetary dispute between a, um, between two bro- uh, a brother and a brother-in-law. And they brought it to Beddin. This story is a true story that happened in Israel. And it was a monetary dispute between the, uh, two brother-in-laws. And they went and they brought it to Beddin. And Beddin ruled in favor of one brother-in-law. The other brother-in-law got, was very upset of the, of the ruling, and he said, no, no, no. That's false, it's fake, they forged it, you know, they didn't agree with it. And they went and, uh, they started bad mouthing. So he said, the guy, the guy, uh, um, paid off the bad thing, the guy, you know, whatever, and he started saying really, really bad things. And, you know, they, they said, they didn't pay the money, they didn't do anything. So, um, eventually, you know, this, this brother-in-law that lost was very, very furious, he started bad mouthing his brother-in-law. And it got so bad. In, in, in a, after about a few months, after this went on, they walk into once into a um, into their uh, into the office. The, the brother-in-law that won the dispute was working in an insurance company. He walks in and he sees that everybody's avoiding looking at him. And he's like, "What's going on? What's, you know, what's going on today?" He goes in and he sees that uh, there's a there's a nice nice note sitting on his computer screen. He goes and he reads it, and it's a note that's basically telling everything that he ever did wrong in his life. Telling, and then it starts saying and making fun of how he walks, how he talks, how he conducts business, and then it goes and it starts going on lies, things that he never did. Things that, that are completely false and untrue, one after another. And the guy, you know, so the, this brother-in-law was, you know, was very, you know, very hurt, but he put everything inside, took the paper, folded it up, put it in his pocket. And started working as if nothing happened. But not only he pretended that there nothing happened, because inside of him it was all boiling up. And an hour later, he falls down, collapsed on the floor, and he gets rushed to the hospital. He gets rushed to the hospital to tell him he had a mild heart attack. He was in the hospital for a few days, went to rehab, and was discharged a, a few days after that. Everything was, everything was fine, time. but all this time, the uncle that put all these, the, it was actually a brother-in-law, whatever, that put all these uh, issues, all these uh, curses, all these bad things, never even called to apologize. Nothing. Um, six months go by after this incident. The son of the uncle that lost, and that did all this, uh, you know, problems, you know, he had a good, he thought he had a good business deal in some sort of third world country. He was going to start start some sort of business. He had to fly down there for a few months, uh, get the business running, and then he would be able to run by itself and make a, kill, a killing of money. So he goes down there, he flies down there, uh, starts the business, everything is going smoothly until, you know, suddenly he realized it was all a hoax. And they started, you know, they basically took all the money that he invested. And not only that, is that they went and they framed him. You know, when you get framed in a third world country, you're done. And he framed him in a third world country and they threw him into prison. Now this prison was no, was notoriously known for, like, it's it's run by gangs like the the poli- the people that the the, gu- the guards and the warden they stand back it's like the 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 strong man wins so people would have there would be gangs if you be part of a gang you're safe if you're not part of a gang then you're in trouble so they kept on going and it, it was like such a terrible you know it was such a what a terrible environment it was but then they see this nice Jewish boy walks in this becomes a punching bag so people started beating him and and who knows what they did to him and this this guy went you know significantly from healthy to to unhealthy very quick and uh you know what they used to do is that the gang family members would be on the outside of the prison, they would solicit money from the family members, you know, be like, you want protection? No problem, it's going to cost you two grand a month, and, you know, you, you get protection from our gang. And then the other gang would be like, you know what, this gang is weak, three grand from my, uh, you know, to get into my gang. And they, people will pay, so at least they will be safe inside there. And, um, once people found out that this family had the money and was, was paying off, uh, you know, all this, uh, thing, so he became, you know, people were pulling him like a rag doll from this gang to this gang and, you know, was getting beaten under. Who knows else what he was doing? And, uh, you know how they get them? Is that they beat them up and they say, now you want protection? You saw how I beat you up? Come into my gang. It's a ridiculous thing. It'd be like, I punch you and be like, here, why don't you come become my best friend? Join my gang. Which is, you know, it's, uh, odd how, how things work. But, anyways, that's how they worked over there. And, you know, you know, so people, when Israel, you know, people in Israel heard about it, they started raising money for this, and when they found out how much money was being raised for this kid, it was just a joke at that point. It was, even even the government, they pushed off the court case because lawyers were making so much money. The court was making so much money every time they had a court and they kept on pushing it off. It was a completely corrupt system. And, um, for, uh, you know, for years, I, I don't remember how many years, but for years this was going on. And he was, you know, at, this, at the end point, he was weighing 85 pounds, white hair, you know, looked like he was 85 years old when he was in his mid-30s or 40s. Ridic- you know, crazy, crazy uh, how, how much he, he went through. So, one of the, um, you know, the, the, you know the, one of the rabbis who knew the, the situation, what happened called up the brother that won the court case and he says uh, and he says listen he says your your brother in law he's uh, he's really you know sad about what happened. You know, he figured there was something had to do with you know what was going on over here. He says if you can please uh, you know he wants to meet with you. So the brother who got this heart attack and went through all this trouble, he says, Absolutely, of course. You know I would love to you know, I'd love to put this all behind us. They haven't spoken in years. Nothing. So they go and they make a meeting. He says, okay they'll come to you at twelve o'clock for lunch. The day before the, the lunch was called for, they get a call from the lawyer. It says the court date was supposed to be six months late. It was pushed up to, till tomorrow. It says, I'm sorry, it was pushed off to that day, to the day that they were supposed to have the meeting. And he says, if everything goes well, he'll be on the next flight the, next, the day after. And they're like, you know, and when the, when the brother that, that won that, the, the, the original court case heard about it, he calls his son. He says, You see what happened? He says, When he called to apologize, everything was going away. So look what machlokah does. Look what machlokah does. And uh, so the, the time for the meeting comes. They're coming. They're supposed to come for lunch uh, to make peace, to make shalom. And supposed to show up twelve o'clock. No one showing up. One o'clock. Nothing. Two o'clock. Three o'clock. Four o'clock. Nothing. They wait until nine o'clock. They call the the rabbi. It says uh, you know remaining all day. Are you sure it was supposed to be today? And the rabbi says you know, let me check. He calls up the the brother. Calls him back. He says, you know what, I you know, I, I feel bad telling you this, but uh, they're not interested in coming anymore. He says I, I guess when they heard that the son is getting out of prison, they thought what's the point? What do we need to make shalom anymore? We got the we got what we wanted. Our son is coming out of prison. So they uh I'm sorry, you know, I, I know I arranged it, I apologize, but uh, they said they're not coming. So, yeah, they moved on with life. The next day when the when the guy was supposed to have his court case in in the third world country, uh somehow it just didn't ever happen. They pushed it off for another six months and the family was broken. Both families are broken. So uh um, two weeks go by and we see nothing is doing. The rabbi calls again and says, Listen, he says, I, I understand if you never want to speak to your brother in law again, but he called me crying and he says, Listen, he says he really feels bad that he stood you up last time. They got so excited that they were getting that he was gonna get be you know, you know, freed from prison and it was you know, he, he lost himself and he should have came and he apologizes. He really want he really wants to come this time. And the and the brother says, Absolutely, you know, let him come. No matter. It doesn't matter what happened in the past, let him come, let's put us all behind it. They, they set a time, and they actually came this time. They actually came. They made a whole ceremony. They had the paper still where he wrote all the insults, and they ceremoniously ripped it up. And they made a meal together. And they, you know, they hugged and they cried. Both brothers cried. Both brothers cried on each other's shoulder, apologizing how idiot and how you know, you know, you know insincere they should have they, they were, and they made complete shuttle, complete peace. While they're in the meal, the fathers of the, of the person who's in prison gets his cell phone rings. He calls him and he's, there's a lawyer on the other line from, from third world country and he says, I need you to sit down. Second the father hears, I'd be like, this is not good. He sits down and he says, he says, this time it's for real. He says, I'm driving over, the court called, called me and they, they just, I'm driving over to the prison to pick up your son. He says, two hours, you know, he should be freed. And they're like, can you believe it? In the home! In the home! Right after they made peace, they've already got, this guy is getting, the, for years, nothing doing. All of a sudden, makes peace, all of a sudden, he gets freed. Within two hours, he's on a flight back to Israel. Right? Look at what 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 can do, and what, what what does this all boil down to? The pride, the pride of the fact that no, I'm not going to apologize to this person. I am not going to do it to you. If oh, we would only know, what would be? What, how many blessings we would have in our life if we would go and and just get rid of this uh and get rid of this pride? So, a few more minutes we have. Okay. Okay. So now, the um you know people don't realize that people go to Distances just to avoid embarrassment. If somebody is going to get embarrassed, they'll, if they have to go to a certain party, and they'll they'll very very small chance of embarrassment or feel uncomfortable, they won't go. They won't go because if a person takes embarrassment and pride, uh, you know, very very serious. What people don't realize is one of the biggest punishments in the next world is embarrassment. So when you get up there after 120, it's like the whole world, the whole your whole family, everything will. Everyone's looking at what you have done. Your whole your sins. Everything. One of the one of the most severe punishments is pride is an issue of pride. The, you know, Koach. Korach was destroyed. Why? Because of his pride. He thought, look, why is Moshe becoming the big one? I should be the big one. Now, uh, before actually we get to the uh, there's something very important that uh, an arrogant person, someone who's pride, cannot study under somebody else. Because they think, like, what can this guy teach me that I can't? I know everything. You know, pride people, you know how pride people are? It explains Abdeslam. He says, you know how you have a little kid, you teach him the ABCs, right? and uh, at this point he knows the whole ABCs or she knows all they think they know everything they know absolutely everything and then he would be like no but now you have to learn how to put the words together Oh, you have to know how to sound the words once they learn how to sound the words now I know everything but no now you learn how to put the. they put the words together now I know everything that's how a pride person is a pride person is you teach him something he knows everything I'd be like, well, but you, th- you don't know everything because you teach them a lot more. Now I know everything. I'd be like, no. Okay, now I know everything. I, you know, I, I've spoken to people many times, uh, uh, you know, uh, unfortunately, who knows, like, maybe three four times on uh, uh, different people. Well, i try to put them to Yeshiva. You know, they want to become more religious. Okay, go to Yeshiva. How are you going to learn? You've got to start with something. Get the basics. Go to Yeshiva for a few months. You get, get some background. I'd be like, no, it's okay. I, I don't really need to go to Yeshiva. I'm like, what do you mean you don't need to go to Yeshiva? He says, no, I went to Yeshiva one, for a year when I was younger and so, what does that have to do with anything? I'm like, do you know how you? So you read Hebrew and be like, no, no. You, you know how to make Bachot? and be like, no, no. But I know everything else. Like, and I start asking him, like, simple stuff, you know, like, what do you do on Shabbat? And simple, simple stuff, don't know anything. But yet in their mind, they know everything. Why? Because they sat through in high school once in a, in a class in the yeshiva. And people think, people think that they know absolutely everything. Very, very difficult for those people to learn anything. They'll never learn anything because they, they will not come to class. Why would not they come to class? Why, they, they won't ask any questions because they think it's beneath their dignity. They think, okay, how could this guy teach me something that I don't know? I could just Google it. I could just, you know, look it up. And pride people don't learn. And they're very, very difficult for them to learn there's a there's a um a very very famous letter called the Iguelataban Hamban. so in the year um it, it happened to be in Spain when the way it used to be the used to be run by Christianity and Christianity would always try to convert um you know always try to convert people in fact like it's still nowadays they always try to convert the Jews like you know just leave us alone or we don't bother you don't bother us you know do whatever you want but it's funny cuz like i get messages sometimes Do you believe in our Holy Savior, JC? You know, um, you know. So I'm like, do you? I'm like, you know. And I'm like, what? You can't tell me anything practically that you could tell me that that would make me change my mind. That some guy, you know, and they convince who, who I don't know how many people they convince, but they try so hard. They constantly try. There are people that dedicate social media just to bring Jews. To Christianity. And they'll put like Jewish letters on everything. They'll put, they'll say Shabbat Shalom. And then you'll scroll a little bit in their pictures. You'll see like, you know, there are Messiah. Yeah, you know, Yeshua, whatever they, you know, JC, and they do all these things. Like, well, who are they trying to fool? But in the way they used to be in, in, the, in, the, in those days is they, they wanted to get the Jews to convert. So what they did was, is that they didn't really give them much of a chance. But say, listen, they'll say we'll make a debate. We'll be a Christian, you know, priest or whatever it is, someone big in the Christianity and a rabbi. If the rabbi lit, wins, You guys are good, stay as as you are. If the priest wins, then you all, all the Jews have to convert to Christianity. And it wasn't like, okay, well, we decline, we're not interested. It'll be like, no, you have to do it. And, uh, so one time this came to, in the year 1263, it came to Ramban, Nachmanides. King James of Spain came to Ramban and he says, listen, you're gonna have a debate with this, uh, with this Christian named Pablo Christiani and um, he said, fine. He says, I'll have a debate, but on one condition. He says, you have to let me speak as, a, as freely. You can't let me, you know, politically correct. I have to be, you know, Christian. He says, you want me to have a debate? You have to give me the freedom of being able to say whatever I want. The king said, fair enough, you got it. So, they have a debate. The debate was supposed to last for five days. It was like a serious debate. By day two... The king who was, who was the judge of the debate, he's, he stopped the debate. And he told Ramban Nachmanides, you know, capitalist, unbelievable mind. He says, uh, you know, he's, a, he was also a physician by trade. And he says, you know what? We get the point. You know, you guys want, You're, you're embarrassing us. You know, just, and, and, and token of, of, like that, yeah, he gave him, actually paid him 300 gold coins. And he says, you know, he says, they stopped the debate earlier because Ramban Nachmanides was decimating the Christianity and proving the debate was, how can you, you know, prove that, that really the JC was the Messiah? You know, and the Ramban just ripped it apart. Ripped everything from A to Z apart, embarrassed them so bad that they just had to cut the debate early. Embarrassed them so bad that afterwards, the, 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 the Christian church, uh, they went over to Ramban, and they says, uh, you better leave the country. He says, we, you know, it's not safe for you to stay over here. And they forced him, because they said, you know, every time he walks around, be like, this is the guy who defeated basically Christianity. They actually forced him out of his, uh, out of his country, and he went, and he moved to Israel. At the age of 72, he went, he moved to Israel, and now if you go to the old city, there's still a synagogue, one of the synagogues that the Ramban built. So what happened was, when he was in Israel, when he was in Israel, his family was still in Spain, so he used to co- he used to correspond and write letters to his, his children. One of the famous letters that he wrote was called the Igalata Hamban. Igalata Hamban is a, is a, is a letter that it's, people read it, it says, he writes it, that he tells his son he should read it once a week. And people re- read it as a skula. It's a good, uh, you know, it's a good sign that people read it, you know, and he could even, you know, in English, it doesn't matter it what it is. Yeah, it talks about prayer. Yeah, talks about mecha. Right, and he speaks constantly about, about, uh, about pride. So I want to speak about what, was something that he wrote, read over there. He says, and I'm going to paraphrase, he says, you know, let's say you have money. Let's say you have something. And he says, what, what are you going to be proud for? He says, who gave that to you? Everything comes from God. And, it, and, it, and this is not what he says, but I'm going to paraphrase, I'm, I'm going to use that based off what, uh, what he was going at. Beauty. You know, if someone's pretty, beautiful, good looking, you did something for that? No. You were born with that. You were born with good looks. Smart? You're also born with that. You were born with a high IQ. You come from a good family, you were born into that family. You come from a wealthy family, you were born into that wealthy family. He says, what did you do already? What do you have to be proud for? Even if you worked for something, and even if you tried hard for it, God gave it to you. He says, at the end of the day, what do you have to be proud for? You have absolutely nothing to be proud for. And uh, <clears throat> the, um, there was once a rabbi that he used to have uh, two... Uh, Two, uh, we're almost finished in, uh, one and a half pages. <laughs> That's a, I'll finish the uh, whole topic instead of that. So maybe five minutes should be done. So, there was once a rabbi that used to have two papers in his po- one paper in each pocket. One of them said, for me the world was created, and the other one was, but dust and ashes. for one pocket, he had, you know, I'm, you know, the world was created for me. And the other one is like, I'm nothing, I'm but dust and ashes. The trick is to know when to pull out each one and this is a topic that Bezalat will speak about is self-esteem hopefully the next week or the week after that is the the coming up uh, topic of self-esteem now the now the the idea is that like say for example bullies right why do people bully others one of the reasons that they bully others is because by them pushing them down they make themselves feel better now there is there's more than that there's also you know and I remember I was once uh, working on uh, you know I was syndicating a deal and uh, I was working with this broker and this broker told me and we're we corresponding back and forth for for quite a while, and we're on the phone at one you know particular conversation, and then he said something which changed the way I viewed him forever. And he's like um, he's like okay, you know I gotta go, I gotta run, I'm closing this million dollar deal right now, I gotta go, but you know we'll speak afterwards. Click, and I'm like okay, you know. Not in, from that point on, not interested in doing business with him anymore. Somebody who's closing a million dollar deal doesn't tell other people he's closing million dollar deals. He's not closing million dollar deals, then he, what, all he's telling me is he's a talker. And I don't deal with talkers, I deal with closers. You know, if you're a talker, not interested. You know, you're not gonna gain anything. People, what do the people do? And they go and they talk, yeah, 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 I just made him so much money, you know that person didn't make so much money, because otherwise they didn't say. It. Somebody who's always going and, and showing off at what car he drives, know that he's insecure about something. Somebody who's secure about something doesn't matter. They don't build off off other people's that. They don't start showing off and they're putting other people down by by you know by bringing themselves in a way of bringing themselves up. So that is uh, you know the, the people that are successful don't scream out that they're successful. They're successful in Hashem. You know maybe they'll drive nice cars, which is fine. They'll live in nice houses, which is also fine. But they won't rub it in other people's faces. When some people are ru- when someone's rubbing it in another, the other one's face, know that something is going on over there. Most likely he's not so he's not doing as well as he as he pretends to be or she pretends to be now. There's a Gemara, there's a Gemara in Rosh Hashanah that says as follows, it says, <speaking in Hebrew> Which means, translation, if somebody overlooks somebody, those who wrong him, the attribute of judgment overlooks his sin. Which means is you want an easy way to get rid of a lot of sins that you have brewing? Don't look at other people, what they did to you so closely. Forgive and forget what other people did to you. God will forgive and forget what you've done to, you know, to them. It's sort of a a measure for measure type of of scenario. Now, it's very hard for somebody who has pride and arrogance to go to get, this is like a, you know, it's like a golden platter. It's such a, it's such a, you are, are, you're overlooked, somebody wrongs you, they overlook what you wronged other people, what you wronged to the Torah. It's such an easy fix, but yet people can't do it because of the pride. I can't look at what that guy over, overdid to me. I just can't. There are certain people, they deal in business and somebody you know whatever you know screwed them you know basically stole their deal or you know you know, cheated them out of money they have a very hard time to overlooking that and they, they don't realize that they have such a secret of success right there overlook it it doesn't matter it's past ready stop dwelling in the past okay so don't do business with them anymore but live, move on move on don't forget about it forget about it people hold on to a grudge so, more, so long and they can't move on and when they can't move on they're, you know, they're just showing that they can't forgive it and when we're showing you can't forgive the other person it's showing it that it doesn't have anything to do with God it has to do with that person, and that is a very, very bad thing. So, learn to move on and, and and grow on. And I want to share with you this final story, which we'll end with, is is on how, um, you know how, where with these uh, these. Uh, how, what can you do by overlooking on, on, on somebody who does something to you? There was once a couple that went over to a rabbi. And um, actually before they even went over to the rabbi, they went over to all medical. They, there was a couple that had money. Unfortunately, they didn't have any kids. So they went from, from place to place, from, you know, they flew to all the specialists in infertility and they tried all treatments, everything, nothing was going. So... Afterwards, unfortunately, what do people do? Is after they 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 avoid they they use up all the resources. Let's go speak to the rabbis. Right? It should be really the first one, but uh, sometimes it's unfortunate. Then you know, who are we to blame? To, you know, uh, at least they're coming. So they go to the rabbis and uh, they go. Uh, not, this rabbi is giving a blessing, not working. This rabbi. Finally, they hear of it. There's a certain rabbi that everything. Oh, he's like a miracle worker. It's like a miracle worker. Go to this rabbi. They fly down to just see this rabbi. In order to see the rabbi, these popular rabbis, you have to usually wait on a long line. So they're waiting on the long line. They come in front of the rabbi. They write him a certain, uh, you know, paper. They give it to the rabbi. The rabbi looks at it, looks at them. And he says, listen, I wish I could help you, but I, I can't. And, um, you know, and, you know, and he basically, you know, and they and they sort of, like, confuse. Like, what is, what is that? You know, you're, you know, you just give, give us a blessing. We're, you know, and, he, and the rabbi was like, no, I, you know, I can't. And sort of the, the by the guy whose assist, his assistant goes and basically picks up, okay, and, you know, next people. is a long line. And the couple walks out there and be like, we just flew down here so that this, you know, this, no. So um, they go and they circle around back, wait back at the, back of the line, be like, no, no, something is going on. They wait in line again, finally come up after an hour or two and they go in front of the rabbi and be like, you know, please can you give us a blessing for a child? The rabbi looks at them and, you know, he's like, he's like, he's like, no, I told you, I really wish I could help you, but I really can't do anything. And again, they leave. I says, no, no, no. They circle again, back again to the third time, and they go on the line and they say, Listen, Rabbi, when they get to the rabbi, it says we flew here, we came down here, we have no resources, we're begging of you. Please just give us a blessing. Just give us a blessing. And the rabbi says, look at them be like, I I really wish I could do it, but I can't. I'm telling you that I can't. The blessing's not gonna work. And he says, so so you know, when he explains to them, he says that you know, I would love to help you, I would love, but you don't see my hands are tied in this situation. There's nothing that I can do that will help you. And the press and despondent, the they get up and they start walking out. And then the rabbi says, But he says, I could give you some sort of advice. So they're like, okay, any hope. They said, uh so the rabbi tells him says, if you ever see somebody who gets embarrassed in public and doesn't respond to the other person who humiliated him, he gets humiliated I'm sorry, he gets humiliated in public and he doesn't respond back to the person that humiliated him, go right away and ask them for a blessing. They're like where are we supposed to go for this? You know, is there like some sort of corner where humiliation happens that we can And the Rabbit says, good luck. So they go, they fly back. You know, like, when are we gonna find this? And nothing, and nothing happens. You know, and they're looking, like, okay, who's, Yeah, the whole flight home, they're like, okay, who's gonna get embarrassed over here? You know, the thing that's gonna happen, nothing's happening. They wait a month, two, nothing happening. Eight months go by, and this woman goes to a wedding. Now, she's going to a wedding, she completely forgot about what the rabbi told her. She's sitting at the wedding, and this wedding was known that there was a, it was a very, very messy divorce. It was a terrible, terrible, messy divorce. The, the, the father of the bride, was, um you know, got custody of the children and basically, you know, somehow was able to get the mother, like, no, not even, forget it, not being able to see the children, not being able to be part of the children's life, like, completely, like, far, you know, I don't know, he, want, he got, like, everything somehow. And um, when when the time came for the wedding, it was years after they got divorced already. So the mother, you know, she was only able to to be, have a connection when the kids were getting older, and they were eighteen. They were out of the house already. They were able to start getting a connection with their mother again because the father like would refuse to to for them to see them as when they were younger. And uh, this uh, so the 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 wedding the wedding is coming up. The father calls his ex wife and he says uh, he says don't you dear show your face at this wedding. He says, if you show your face in this wedding, he says, I'm going to unleash so much pain and suffering on you that you don't even be, want to begin to do it. He says, you've done enough damage to this family. Don't come to this wedding. And, the, you know, the, she's like broken hearted. Be like, oh, OK, you know, fine. You know, there's a certain, you know, she's like, I, I won't come. I, you know, what supposed to do? So she's sitting at the wedding comes and the mother's sitting at home in her apartment by herself. And she's thinking, you know, my oldest daughter is getting married now. And the whole night she's looking at the clock. I wonder what she's doing now. You know, she's in the chupa. Oh, is the chupa over? What's going on? Oh, I wonder how they're doing. Are they dancing? What is she dressed? How does she look? Oh, my beautiful daughter. You know, and then she gets so emotional, she's like, you know, my beautiful daughter just getting married a few blocks away and I'm stuck at home and I can't do it. And she can't, and she's like, the whole, the whole night she's thinking, okay, how is my other children wearing? How, you know, is the photograph, is the music, what's the food, and how's the whole look? How's my, yeah, and she's just replaying the entire scene in her head. And she cries like 17 times that night. How wishing that she could go. Finally she says, you know what? She says, I just want to go and see my daughter. I'm going to sneak in. I'm not even going to, I'm just going to sneak in and just watch. So she gets all dressed up and she sneaks into the wedding. And it's already, you know, past the Papa, it's everything in the middle of dancing. And she's sitting in the back and she's watching in the back from, you know, in the distance she sees her daughter. And she starts swelling up with tears. She's like, wow, my beautiful daughter, my first child. She so says, look at her, look how happy she is. Look at that. And she starts swelling up with tears and she's like, the, maybe, let me just go give her a blessing let a mother give a child a blessing on, the, on, the, on her wedding day and she's like no maybe I shouldn't and, and she's like you know what I'm here already I'll, I'll give her a hug maybe a little dance and then I'm out and then I'm out and uh, she's walking in, and she's locked eyes on the daughter and she's walking closer and closer to the daughter suddenly she hears screaming to the top of the lungs How dare you? How dare you show your face in here? She turns around and it's her ex-mother-in-law. And the mother-in-law starts screaming at her to like, so loud that the music stopped. You know, it's like the, like, oh, what's going on? The band like shut down. And this mother, you would think, would stop. Mother-in-law did not stop. Kept on screaming again. How dare you show your face in here? Get your filthy, you know, out of this, out of this wedding. You know how much pain and suffering you cause this family? How much pain you cause my grandchildren and my son? And she started to get out. And the and the woman is sitting there and, and she's like you know you know basically boiling at this point you know she's all emotional from beforehand and she's like you know you know just pointing like I just wish I one 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 hug one dance and the mother starts he says if you don't get it right now I'm calling the cops and the mother said fine you know what she's supposed to do and she 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 starts bawling, crying and runs out of the out of the out of the chupa I'm sorry out of the wedding and this woman who was not you know saw this it didn't even click to her she runs out. About 30 seconds go by, and she's like, Wait. She's like, She just got embarrassed in public. She didn't answer anything. She starts running after her. And this woman is walking down the street and, you know, someone's screaming, wait, 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 don't, you know? And she sees somebody running after her, you know, from the kalah She's like, what do they want from me? And she starts running. She says, they want to beat me up. So she starts running out, running away from this crazy woman who's chasing after her. And, you know, now she, this woman sees that this woman is running away. She picks up speed. She's like, no, no, wait, wait, wait. And she's like, she's like, please, I'm leaving. Just leave me alone. The mother says, and she runs and runs. Miral you know, is chasing him for like a half a block. And finally she screams out, like, I just want to ask you a question, please. And finally the woman sees, the mother sees that she's not out to, you know, to hurt her. So she stops. The woman, the woman, you know, who was, you know, didn't have any children, catches up to her, catches her breath, and she says, Please, I'm begging you, I'm going to ask you something, it's going to be weird, you're not going to understand it, and I'll explain everything, but please, just do me a favor, grant this request, give me a blessing for children. And the mother looks at her and be like... Um, I don't know if you saw what was going on in there, but I'm not such a righteous person that you should come to me to ask me for blessing. You know, there's plenty of other people you could ask blessing. And the woman, he's like, you know, out of breath, he's like, please, I'm begging you, just give me the blessing and I'll explain everything afterwards. So the woman was very emotional. She said, you know what? fine? No. She puts her hands on her head, you know, she gets, so she gets all in and she's like, and then she really got into the blood. She was so emotional and she, you know, she's like and she started crying to her and she's like, give you a blessing. And from the bottom of her heart, she gave you such a blessing that I wish not only you have kids, you'll have an unbelievable home. You'll be able to grow the, your children in the way of the, the Torah and you'll be able to have a loving relationship with your children and your husband unlike what I was able to. to And she goes on and on, give her the most beautiful baha. She finishes the Baha, so beautiful. The woman took her hand and kissed her. Said amen, and she says now let me explain it. She explains her whole situation and how I wasn't able to do this and I wasn't able. I went through from infertility, and the rabbi told me to get a blessing from somebody who gets humiliated in public and doesn't answer back. And he says, and that happened tonight. And he said, and and she's like, she's like, listen, bochachem, I'm I'm happy that I'm able. To, you know, my sorrow, misery, could able, at least be able to help one person. The story goes on is that ten months later she was blessed with a baby boy. She had she had she not only this person who had an the doctors gave up hope. Rabbis said, I can't do anything. The biggest rabbi, the miracle worker, says, I can't do anything. But you know who could do something to you? Somebody who go and overlook somebody, there's something that happened to them. Somebody went and embarrassed her in public and she was able to not answer back and not say, You know what? You've pushed me far away from my children enough. I want to have one dance with my daughter. Call the cops. She didn't say anything. She caught she closed her mouth, They didn't want to build a scene, and she left. And she left. She, was a, she had power of blessing greater than the biggest rabbi. So you don't know your power when you put down your ego. When you take your ego and you put it down, there will be so much in your life. There will be so much happiness in your life. Your, your life will be easier to deal with. You won't, somebody cuts you off and be like, all right, you know, it's the 70s. You're chilling. Everything's okay. Everything's okay because you, you don't have that pride. You will be happier. You won't have so much stress in your life. You won't have so many problems about looking about other people and comparing it between other people. There will be so much bracha and so much in your life. And b'zlat Hashem, may this all internalize into each and every one of us and actually go into it. And we'll actually be able to overcome our pride and our arrogance, each one according to its level. And b'zlat Hashem, will be be able to see unbelievable success financially, physically, healthy, spiritually, you know, in relationships, in all aspects. B'zlat Hashem, and al Any questions?